Praise the Lord. Amen. We want to uh, conclude this morning uh, with a short session I did on um, follow-up. And um, um, this is caring for people uh, who are new converts, uh, people who are struggling, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, people go through a crisis, uh, people are being assaulted, and uh, you've created a friendship with them. Uh, you've created a spiritual relationship with them. That in that moment, in that season, you're able now to make the difference between their spiritual life and death. It's follow-up. It's uh, not just witnessing to the unsaved, but caring for those who have been converted, those who have been saved for a season, uh, maybe years. Because you never know what's happening. And I want to make a statement to you. Christianity is designed to be lived. It's, it's the whole revelation of the Bible is you can know God and experience Him. If you don't experience the Bible, then it just becomes rhetoric. It just becomes words. Uh, and if you're not careful, uh, you'll become weird. It's like people who go to church and are not saved. They can be really, really strange people. And so it doesn't matter if uh, anywhere you see the Bible or you see the Word of God, you need to put yourself in the pages. That's why the book of Acts had no ending. It's still being written. And uh, you see the disciples doing something. You see God speaking something. The Ten Commandments are designed to be lived. Amen. You're saved, born again, so you can demonstrate the Bible, the living word. And unless you do, unless you demonstrate and live and experience that at home, away from the house of God, um, uh, then you're a hypocrite. Uh, you're a Pharisee. Uh, you become, um, again, uh, warped. Uh, you, you strange dynamics begin to happen to the human heart uh, when you you see the word of God uh, and excuse yourself and so follow up um, we want to look at a couple of verses Acts 14 verse 21 and 22 who will get that for me Acts 14 Adam uh, 21 22 Acts 15 36 uh, James would you get that for me I need Acts 17 verse 30 who will get that for me Antoine um um Luke 24, uh, 46 and 47. Fred, if you'd get that. Uh, Psalms 51, 3 and 5. Guillermo, 3 through 5. Job 42, verse 5 and 6. Dave, if you'd get that. Uh, Job 42, verse 5 and 6. Luke 15, verse 17 and 18. Robert, if you'd get that. Uh, uh, Psalms 51, verse 1 and 2. Who'll get that? Anybody else? Uh, Alicia, Psalms 51, verse 1 and 2. 2 Corinthians 7, uh, verse 9 and 10. Billy, if you get that. Psalms 38, 18. Uh, John, if you get that. 
Um, and so um, uh, I'm going to conclude this this morning. We've touched on a number of issues about follow-up, and uh, uh, so I'll just kind of work through this last portion, and then we'll open it up. But it has to do with the heart. It has to do with being real. It has to do with being a friend. It's more than just uh, um, a method. And so we've talked a lot about that. Acts 14, verse 21 and 22, if you'd read that. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to... Lystria, and to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Okay, so they returned where they had already made impact. They're strengthening the souls there. They're giving direction to the souls there. That's follow-up. You come behind the salvation and you now give yourself to assisting them, whatever they may need, that they'll make it for God. Okay, uh, Acts fifteen thirty six. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Okay, so uh, he said, look, let's go back. Let's see how they're doing. Let's see what's happening here. And so um, there's no foolproof method uh, in working with converts and people. Uh, there's too many ta intangibles. People have all kinds of personalities and, and dynamics and family curses, uh, generational curses, uh, travel down through families, uh, uh, their background, uh, who their friends are, what they've been involved in. There's a lot of dynamics, um, and some will make it, and some will not. Um, but uh, there are those that will not make it um, unless you are there for them. We heard testimonies over these few weeks that I've, about different people, how someone took them in their home, how someone was a friend to them, uh, someone helped them, some was there for their, them for whatever reason. And so one of the, one of the great uh, needs is the assurance of salvation. This is one of the great dynamics, uh, is to be truly converted, where it's not, uh, some people go to the altar, just get some the emotional relief. They pray a prayer, they feel better, they have no intention of changing. That's not uh, true repentance or conversion. Uh, others, um, uh, they go maybe because uh, uh, someone's been pressuring them. And they go to kind of get them off their back or whatever. But uh, th there must be repentance for genuine conversion. Acts 17 verse 30. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Uh, okay, and then uh, Luke 24, 46 and 47. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. 
And that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Okay, that repentance and remission of sin must be preached to all nations. And so for someone to be genuinely converted um, and the assurance of salvation comes when you know and someone maybe uh, explains to you and reassures you, hey, you re- did you repent? Yeah, I did repent. I repented. And so uh, I've, I've asked God to forgive me. And so repentance is such an imp- a powerful thing. It involves your intellect, your will, and your emotions. One of the marks of, of genuine repentance um, is when I got saved and, and you got saved, my mind, there was something happened in my mind and spirit on how I viewed sin. I, before, I loved to sin. I looked forward to sinning. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I paid big money to sin and, uh, uh, and bragged about it and, and et cetera. But the moment I got saved, uh, the Spirit of God comes and takes up dwelling in your life. Uh, You're born again. The Holy Spirit, now you become the temple of God. And the Holy Spirit, it's a miracle. You're born again. uh, And now your view of sin has changed. And to get saved, there's, there's somewhere you understand you're a sinner. I understood I was a sinner. I, I wasn't, I just had a few mistakes. Wasn't just, you know, that I didn't do everything right in life. It wasn't that, um, you know, I just um, um, had a few problems, a few issues. You know, today the tolerance thing drives me insane. You can't call anything what it really is. And that, that's the stupidest thing on planet Earth, and it's killing us. Amen. It's true. Amen. It's sin. I've heard preachers on TV and read their articles said, well, we'll never use that word. Well, it's in the Bible. We just read it. And so you, I, I was a sinner, and God is holy, and I'm guilty. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so something powerful happens in repentance. And I know we come for a lot of different, I was just, I just, I was messed up and hopeless and I was just praying God would have mercy on me. And, but something incredible happens when someone is genuinely repentant. They can be bound by drugs. Uh, they can be bound in all kinds of perversion. Uh, they can be trapped in a whole culture and a lifestyle of insanity. And they can pray a prayer at an altar, Jesus forgives them, comes into their life, and there's this radical revolution that happens in their heart and mind and soul and emotions. And they have to be assured. It doesn't mean they're perfect. doesn't mean there won't be some battles. But Psalms 51, 3 through 5. Or I, I, or I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. For you are, uh, you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Uh, three through six? Yeah, three through five. 
Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time. I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is before me. Okay, verse 4, read it again. They're, they're getting it up on the board, I hope. Verse 4, it's the one after 3. Okay, there you go. Okay, go ahead and read it. Against you, you only have I sinned. And I have sinned. Okay. And done this evil in your In sight, your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in, and in sin my mother conceived me. That's a revelation. That's David crying out to God, and that's powerful. Amen. Job 42, verse 5 and 6. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Okay, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. And then he says, I bore myself. And uh, that means uh, I'm ugly, man. I'm guilty. And repent. In dust. I repent. Luke 15, 17 and 18. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? And I will arise and go to my father, to my father, and he will say to him, Father, I have sinned. Okay, I have sinned. I, not you, not grandma, not my wife, not the guy down the street, not my boss, not, I have sinned. That's, I take responsibility for where I'm at with God. I have sinned. Go ahead. I have sinned against heaven and before you. Okay, that, that's powerful. That's repentance. That's why David was able to go on with God and, and do many, uh, that's why the prodigal was able. And so uh, 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 emotions involve godly sorrow. The Bible says godly sorrow worketh repentance. Uh, godly sorrow, I desire to be right. I want to be forgiven. And uh, it's an issue of the heart. It's where conviction comes from. Psalms 51, verse 1 and 2. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Okay, there's a heart crying out. Have mercy on me, O God. You can feel the emotion. And the desire, uh, that, that, that godly sorrow, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9 and 10. Anybody have that? I'll read it. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Wait, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, okay, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9 and 10. Anyone have that? Did I give that to anybody? It's me. It's me. Okay, I got it. Uh, now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance, for you were, for you were made sorry in a godly manner. Okay, he's talking about uh, your sorrow led you to repentance. You were made sorry in a godly manner. Go ahead. That you might suffer loss for us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Okay, the sorrow of the world produces death. But godly sorrow, 
uh, moves you to repentance. It's a powerful thing. Uh, Psalms 38, verse 18. John? For I will declare mine iniquity, and I will be sorry for my sin. Okay. Uh, I'll be sorry for my sin. Book of Psalms. About halfway through the Bible. Okay. And so the emotions are involved, uh, the mind's involved, and the will is involved um, in repentance. Otherwise, you just become religious. One of the problems with people is trying to live for God without being saved. One of the problems is people, preachers, trying to convince people they're okay when they're not born again. That's one of the major, major problems. That's happening uh, in America today. That's one of the great difficulties. Philip, we may, may need some help if you're in the room. You may be on the other side. And so um, uh, uh, it's, a, it's an inward turning from sin. It has to do with your will. Amen. It's a change of heart. Something begins to happen. And so what repentance is, is that leads to conversion is now you've made a decision. The Bible talks about a decision. You, you've prayed, you've asked God to forgive you. The Holy Spirit's taken up residence in your life. Um, there's a miracle, you're born again. Uh, and so now there's a shifting of will. Before, I never wanted to go to church. You know, I mean, I could, I could, my wife drugged me a couple of times. And other than that, we got married in the chapel. I didn't want to go to church. I had no, it was the farthest thing from my mind. And But I got converted in there. It's a reversal of life. I went home, broke the Jack Daniels black label, busted up uh, drug paraphernalia, begin to, that was my, I, I exercised, there was a change of will. I couldn't stay out of church 42 years. I've been in church all week on the East Coast in conference um, uh, there, um, uh, may mention it again this morning, but uh, Larry Mitchell preached, um, uh, Gary Monins preached, um, um, uh, Tory Williams preached, Mikel Baldwin preached, all in the East Coast Conference. Uh, Tory took the offering. Uh, Pastor Monins helped pray on Friday night. Um, and um, uh, so I'm there, um, uh, preached Wednesday, uh, uh, Thursday morning. I preached first, Mikel preached second, and I preached third. Flew out Friday night, went to the Harvesters in Glendale, uh, preached there. Uh, Pastor Martinez preached Saturday morning. Uh, uh, and so uh, 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 my point is, uh, what about you? Is your will changed? Where do you desire to go? What do you, what do you, what do you want to be involved in? What, what, what moves you? What stirs you? What have you set your will? Have you locked in on the things of God? That's genuine conversion and repentance. It's powerful. You want to do the will of God. You want to keep His commandments. You want to live right. Doesn't mean you're perfect again, but there's something's happened, and you're 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 making these decisions. I'm going to preach this morning, Lord willing, on on the Judas factor. 
and very interesting, but I won't get into all of that. But, but here, you're determined. You're going to follow Jesus. You've, you've, there's, a, there's a locking of the will. Okay. And so hand in hand with repentance uh, is saving faith. And so maybe we'll stop right here uh, before we move into this. Any input, any ideas, any thoughts, um, uh, any um, uh, Benny, uh, anything uh, you want to insert or inject. But uh, without true conversion, uh, you, you go nuts. My sermons will drive you absolutely crazy and other people who preach here. Because, uh, and this is why a lot of times people, they want to go to a church where, where they just tell stories and there's no confrontation, there's no conviction, there's no, they just uh, nice entertaining stories and uh, sing how great, thou, how great I am. And, uh, uh, but when you're converted, uh, you love the Word of God. You love uh, God to speak and deal with you because you want to do right. That's real conversion. It's, it's not just, uh, you know, just some uh, culture. One of the problems with church kids is they're raised in church and never converted. And they can go for years. I, you've heard me tell the story. Jonathan Edwards, uh, incredible man of God. I mean, uh, unbelievable uh, it brought in the great awakening that saved uh, probably the United States of America, a revival. He preached a sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, uh, there in, uh, in the East. And these uh, uh, people were holding on to the post during his sermon in the church, afraid they were going to slide off into hell. And revival broke out. It was, it was just incredible. The children of those people that had the revival threw him out of the church. And so, and so the problem is it can become a culture rather than a conversion. It's, it's, it's like it's social rather than salvation. So praise the Lord. Okay. One of the things, Pastor, that uh, I've come to you about also assistance, one of the things that's frustrating about follow-up is dealing with somebody who's converted or not converted. And so... I caught a revelation of the word refuge. You know, the Bible says in Psalms, God is my refuge. Some people look at God as a temporary refuge. Some people look at it as a refuge until things get better. And some people look at it as a refuge as a permanent. This is what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rely on God permanently. And so what I have found in follow-up is that sometimes our people are pushed because of emotions, life examples. They'll temporarily seek God, and they will actually cry out to God. And God is faithful 100% of the time. He will come in and help them and try to help them. I've also seen people do it on a short-term basis, and I've also seen people do it on a long-term basis. And one of the hardest things about finding out is that that individual person that you're following up on, if they're doing it just for a temporary fix, uh, um, if they're, you know, obviously over a process of time, you'll find out if they want to do it long-term. And then you have the people that are, like, totally surrendered, like, this is what I want to do. This is God has really changed my life. And so I've experienced that. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, though? yeah. And the problem is when you're following up on people, you never know. You never know. And uh, time uh, proves things out. But one of the things is uh, in follow-up, and again, you're not there to uh, preach to them every minute, but in the conversations of life, um, 
And in their questioning, you begin to instill in them um, that, listen, uh, uh, sin makes these promises uh, that it never produces. If you take this fruit, you'll be like God. God's holding out on you. That's what, that's what the, the devil said to Eve, serpent. See, if you, you partake of this fruit, man, you'll be like God. Whew, I will. Oh, man. And you can imagine you, you, the, the connotations of the, I'll be happy. Life will be wonderful. Life will be rich. Life will be full. But he's a liar and the father of lies. He'll lie to you. And it never turns out that way. No one backslides successfully. No one turns their back on them. Not one. I don't care who it is. No one. No one. No one. No one. No one. I've not seen one in 42 years. I've not seen not one. Not one. No one snuck behind the process. No one slipped through the cracks. There's something about it. And so if you can, a lot of times, uh, people say, they don't have a clue. We dealt one class on that. They get saved. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue about church, God, Bible, nothing else. And, uh, and you can help them by instilling into them that this is an investment of a lifetime. Amen. This is, this is incredible. Someone else, you, you have some input. Uh, uh, Fred? I know every time I get a chance, Pastor, I, uh, I try to interject uh, what God did for me for some years. You know, I just know that uh, if the opportunities are brought to a place where I can speak those words. I usually tell uh, how my desire changed for sin, how my desire changed for, you know, the thoughts of uh, everyday things like alcohol, cigarettes, uh, drugs, or whatever it may have been. But, uh, you know, I'm not not alone just didn't want to do those things anymore. I didn't want no parts of it. But it took a while. I know your history. Yeah, it took a minute. No, no, no. <laughs> Alicia Colley, we're over there trying to find you in the corners of the earth. Got out, uh, got, got, got people searching for you in the back alleys of Mesa and up and down the streets and stuff, uh, trying to reel him back in. Amen. There he is. Quick, tackle him. Amen. And uh, uh, but, but so, now, so but my now point is, you never know. Fred's sitting here today, and his wife, and the grace of God on their life. It's all under the blood. Yeah, it's all under the blood. It's under the blood. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Amen. He cast it into the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. And here this old crazy preacher has to bring it up. Amen. But, uh, but you never know. That's what I mean. You never know. You never know how it's all going to turn out. You never know. Someone else. John, you had your hand up. When I got first got saved, there were some key people that helped me, and it was the way they spoke it to me, their tone, how they spoke it, and I'll never forget what Mel said to me. He said, who? Mel. Mel, okay. He said, do it because you want to. Yeah. Do it because you, you want to please God. Yep. And Frank said that. Even Bill Greer taught me how to do things. And yeah. The, the wisdom they spoke and how they spoke it spit volumes to me, and that helped me incredibly. And then as time went on, and as I began to see things, what they said, and it took a while, but yeah. nevertheless, I was able to do it because it it's the way you spoke yeah. it to me that 
makes the biggest impact. Yeah. And, and I have the tone of that. And that really helped me. Being changed, the Bible says, from glory to glory into his likeness and into his image. Being changed from glory to glory. Someday the lights just come on. You can see people and they're struggling and this and And then one day it's like the lights come on. Oh, and, and it's like their whole world moves into another dominion. And, uh, and, and that's, that's so true. And, and encouragement, we've said that over and over, encouragement is so critical in follow-up. Never bleed on them. Don't puke on them. Uh, you're upset with somebody. Don't, don't bring that into their arena. They can't handle it. And they need encouragement. They need a friend. They need someone to listen. They need someone to impart to them, hey, God can heal. I have uh, uh, people, you know, come into my office in uh, marriage counseling over the years, and I'll tell them about Connie and I. She was messed up, I'm telling you, man. She was wrong. <laughs> we were both crazy. We were crazy. We were both crazy. Strong-willed, absolutely crazy. Had no marriage. And... Uh, and so, and, and without a lot of scripture, I was telling you, if God can do that for us 50 years down the road, we're still here. Uh, 50 years, if God can do it for us, he can do it for anybody. Anybody can have a good marriage. You just got to change. Amen. You don't want to change. I know. You want them to change. Uh, Eric? Um, uh, I, I think, you know, another a good thing is, you know, a good healthy fear of, Going to hell will help you in the beginning. Um, you know, over time, well, it's, it's true. You, usually you he don't get saved. He does the new saved. converts class. <laughs> <laughs> usually you don't get saved and, like, instantly yeah. you're like, man, I just love Jesus yeah. so much. Sometimes yeah. you do. Yeah. Um, like, I remember when I first got saved, like, I was coming to church. I wanted to change. And uh, Rob Michaels and um, Jeremiah and Adam Dragoon. Uh, they were like doing a lot of stuff and you know, they would get me to go with them and one day it was like a Friday night You know, I'm tired from being at work. I just want to go home and they're all excited to go to some baby church for a grand opening And I was like, man, why do you guys like going to church so much? And Rob said, well, just keep coming, man It'll you'll see it'll just happen to you and I said, all right, you know, so you know I kept coming to church and eventually I did I just you know You just start to love going to church and you start to love God but at first, you know you're just kind of doing it because it's new and you know, I, I think, you know, it's, it, it, you got to set your will and also, you know, having a good fear of, you know, going into eternal yeah. flames helps. And then you, you, you hit the wall. Rob Michaels is going to preach here, too, in November, Sunday morning, Sunday night. But you hit the wall. It's called hitting the wall. This is true in all of life. In sports, a lot of guys, uh, guys who run basketball, could be anything, they hit the wall. This is where their talent comes. Uh, it's like they've... Uh, They've got all they can get. Um, they, uh, uh, but a hit in the wall uh, spiritually is you'll see people. They'll hit. And, and when it, what it normally is, do I want to live this way the rest of my life? Do I want to spend the rest of my life praying, reading the Bible, going to church, giving, witnessing? And at that point, it's critical that you've built a relationship with them. Because somewhere they'll, most people, not everyone, but a lot, of, they'll hit that wall and the thought comes, Lewis Oliver, uh, uh, he's ministered here, uh, he kind of helped me on these uh, sermons all in. I'm going to preach.
preach another one tonight, I think. It's a term in poker. You're probably aware of it where you go all in. And he was a professional gambler in Reno and Vegas and got uh, powerfully saved. And he used to, he never changed the oil in his car, he was telling me. He got a new car every 10 months or a year. He'd just drive it and then go trade it in. Had a big box of cash um, uh, in, uh, locked up in various safes. And he, that's what he did. He was a professional poker player and high stakes poker. And he said he got saved. Well, he couldn't, couldn't do that anymore. So him and his wife, um, uh, they're, uh, uh, they're uh, uh, cleaning an office. They, they, got a, they got a little uh, kind of a little business going, and they're cleaning offices. Uh, he's never had a blister as an adult. He looks down. He's got this blister on his hand. He looks at his wife. She's over there sweat running off her face with this do-rag on her head. And, uh, and uh, she's, she's, they're cleaning other people's mess and junk. And she looked at him, and he looked at her. <laughs> and she says, honey, is this all God's got for us? I mean, be, before, I mean, they eat in the finest, you know, if you're a high-stakes uh, poker player, they treat you like a king in those places. And, uh, and, and he looked at her. And he said, they just put their arms around one another, started praying, God, you've got to help us. That's called hitting the wall. Hitting the wall. And, of course, they did, and he went on. He's pastoring today in Reno, has a great church, and et cetera. But um, um, you got to be converted. Uh, A.J., you had your hand up. I think one of the things with follow-up, at least that I see, even in my own life, um, a lot of people followed up on me. I had a couple of key people, but a lot of people either had me over, they kept you busy. What I see that lacks is even as people during this class have talked and said, this one said this to me, but are you reproducing that now in your life in someone else? That's You can't just stop because someone, I kind of call it old school. You. The old school people followed up on you, and you know what it takes to follow up, but do you follow up? Right. Because you can reproduce that in someone else's life, yep. and it needs to continue on because yep. as the church gets older, you got to pass the baton and the next group, but it has to be the same quality. Yep. And so that's, that's what I see lacking. They can talk about it, but you got to be about it. Yeah, it's not just a text or a phone call, and that's not evil. But it's a relationship, and that takes uh, in person. It's real help and real words and a real face, and uh, takes. We've we've dealt with this in the class. It costs you. There's a price to be paid, and so um, um, uh, Caesar's going to give a report this morning. But uh, Thursday night at the play, they had 50 visitors. Last night they had 70 visitors. I think 30 something got saved last night. Were you there to follow up? That's reality, and it, it's not just classroom now, see. It's not just uh, words and uh, scriptures, but it's real people who have real souls, who have real needs, 
that need a real godly friend. Someone who can help them. But you can't help them if you're not there. Remember what we said, one of them. One of the greatest connections is when they get saved. That's one of the, the chemistry. It's, it's like a mother being there when the baby's born. Something happens in that mother's heart. That's why a lot of times uh, grandmothers will be there, mother-in-laws, uh, aunts, uh, sisters. Something powerful happens. When you're there, when they're birthed into the kingdom, And that's what A.J.'s talking about. He's talking about a, a quality, not just, a, but a quality of follow-up, of heart. That I'm going to be there. I want to be there. Because a soul, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What kind of price can you put on a human life? Is that human life worth more? than your entertainment? Is that human life worth more than your recreation? Is that human life worth more than your casual or your downtime? Or your plans? See, that's where the I'm talking about the Bible becomes real now. It's not just... Uh, a class that pastor's doing on follow-up, but he becomes real. Becomes very real. And that's where you find out if you if you really have a heart or if it's just words. That's why I said in the beginning, it, it, it costs you. Costs you. So is a human soul worth more than what you want to be? What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, lose his own soul? What will it profit the world if, if we gain everything and we lose souls? Anyone else? We got a minute or two. Anyone else? Yes. I just want to say that when I first got saved, um, I was I um, I lost the um, the want to do drugs and stuff, but I was still smoking cigarettes. Okay. And she um, lost the desire for drugs, but she was still smoking cigarettes. And in my mind, I was like, it's it's legal, so why is it so wrong? And my mom and Eli and the people that were always following up on me never told me um, that they thought it was wrong, but they always seemed to have, they would show me a scripture in the Bible that my body was a temple, or um, when I would ask my mom, should I wear this to church? And she's like, well, how do you feel about it? And then they would they would just constantly um, quote scriptures in the Bible. So it wasn't them telling me it was wrong. It was God telling me it was wrong. And they were never judging me. Okay. And um, and when I started to tell them, oh, no, I'm, I need to get rid of this or I need to get rid of this, 
they were so happy. Everybody was so happy that I was starting to have my own convictions. Yep. And that just made me feel a whole lot better. I mean, seeing it in the Bible was God telling me. Yep. That's not right. them. Yep. So. That's right. You don't like anybody telling you what to do. <laughs> None of us do much. <laughs> but that's that's wonderful. That is wonderful. That's powerful. And uh, it's that's that's very good. Yes. Cuando yo me salvé, he got saved. Yo me acuerdo que pues me trajeron a mí a este lugar. Pardon me. I'm gonna let him say it all, then I'll just translate it. Um, yo recuerdo que venía todo loco, que traía un, yo creo, un gramo de coca en, en mi bolsa. He said that he remembers that he would come like drugged, that he would have at least like a gram of cocaine in his pocket. Okay. Y me acuerdo que yo me quería poner bien loco dentro del baño de aquí. He wanted to get um, high here in the bathroom. He wanted to get high in the bathroom. No, go ahead. Pero you probably yo, won't be the yo, first or yo, the last. Go ahead. Pero yo recuerdo que que cuando yo andaba todo borracho, andaba todo loco. Um, Guillermo, el pastor Tony, que está en Guadalajara, ellos me, me, me siguieron. Ellos estaban atrás de mí. He said that when he was drunk and he was high, that um, Guillermo and as well with Pastor um, Tony um, Betson, they would follow up on him all the time and they would be with him. Okay, when he be, you're loaded and messed up, they'd come follow up on him. He said that he knew he was wrong. He knew that it was something that he had to stop, but he couldn't do it okay. until that he uh, he really put his faith in God, and he said he said that it was only him that was that was able to change him, nothing else. Yo le digo a todos aquí, si eres nuevo, si estás escuchando todo eso, si tú pones la fe en Dios, tu vida va a ser cambiada. He said, I tell you and anybody else in here that's hearing this message that if you put your faith on God, that you can be changed. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's so true, and praise the Lord, yes. And, uh, and, and one of the dynamics, if you'll just keep coming, somewhere God will catch you. Somewhere God will get a hold of you. Because God's in this place. I mean, uh, changed all kinds of people, and converted and et cetera, uh, Pastor Fowles. I was just thinking, um, as... Uh Sister Frances was talking about people following up on her and just how it works. Sonny takes her, uh, takes her mother into her home, yeah. follows up on her. From that, she's able to marry Eli, and then her daughter gets saved and set free from all kind of craziness. And not only that, now her son, who never had a father figure, is here in the church growing up in the house of God. And it's just amazing how one act of follow-up, it just, you never know where it's going to go. Yeah. You just never know. Yeah, the cause and effect of life is incredible. The butterfly effect. You know, you, you heard this story. 
this butterfly were in Latin America. The theory, it flapped his wings. And months later, thousands of miles later, uh, there's a hurricane on the uh, East Coast. And the whole uh, dynamic is that uh, this, this you never know, just like uh, I'm just reading this account. I'll probably use it in the sermon. Just unbelievable account. This couple went to the uh, uh, Congo. Uh, the mother died birthing the child. So the father gave the child to another missionary couple. And they had this little boy who would bring them eggs in the morning. And the mother would witness before she died. She witnessed this little boy's like six, seven years old. So the, the father was so bitter, he went back uh, to Europe, become an alcoholic, gave the daughter to another missionary couple. They poisoned both of them. The village poisoned them. They both died. She was given to another missionary couple that came back to the States, uh, and um, eventually uh, they pastored a number of churches in the States. The girl grew up, married her husband, and um, uh, he became a, a leader, a Pentecostal group. And uh, they, they, she was from Sweden, so they bought their tickets to go to Sweden. So now she's a grown woman, go to Sweden. The whole purpose is to find her dad. She finally, the last day there, she finds him. And he's, he's, uh, his liver's gone, alcoholism, et cetera. And his first words when he realized her, he said, I, I never meant to give you away. And she loved him, forgave him. He prayed with him. By the time they got home, they heard he was deceased. But after that, her and her husband went to England to the Pentecostal. They have it every five years, I think it is, this big Pentecostal, 10,000 people there. And this um, leader of this um, huge Holy Ghost Pentecostal movement Congo spoke. And when he spoke, he mentioned the village he was from. And that was where she was at as a little girl. So after the service, she went up through an interpreter asking if, uh, if, if he knew uh, her mom and dad. And he mentioned her mother. And he said, uh, I just visited her grave the other day and put flowers on it. I was the egg boy that she witnessed to I was a little boy, and now there's tens of thousands of converts across Africa and the Congo. And so you never know. You never know. She's witnessing to this little boy before she dies, but here down the road, this incredible effect. And that's true, um, just like Pastor Powell pointed out here. So anyway, God bless you. We'll pick it up in a little bit.